afternoon. You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and Local Media This Week, the programme where we have a look at the local print media, Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, and we give our take and we have a look and see what they are talking about, and we let yourselves know. Uh, delighted are to be sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography, Ruth based in Fecal, and you'll see Ruth's photos all in the, on the various... Uh, papers as well here in County Clare. Delighted again to be joined by our regular panel. We're back at full um, strength today. So, John S. Kelly, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. Pat O'Brien, Pat, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jim. David, good to see you back after a little, I hope you're well rested. I'm well rested, Jim. Raring to go now today. Lovely. <laughs> and uh, on, on uh, sound today and with the occasional comment, uh, you will, we have uh, Luke Fleming. Luke, you're very welcome also. Thanks, Jim. It'll be telling you to finish off, but that'll be about it. <laughs> yes, but you're comfortable on the bench today. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, having a look at the front pages of the paper, I suppose one of the things that, that, that strikes us is uh, Parik McMahon's piece on the front of the Clare Echo, where four out of ten hotel rooms in County Clare are used by asylum seekers. And it's, it's mirrored in the front page of the Clare Champion, where Clare Tourism Forum calls for a halt to asylum seekers. John, is, that, is it becoming a problem that, that our tourists uh, have, haven't got enough places to stay? Have you been in search of a bed and breakfast landing hotel in the last month? No, John. Well, I have. Yes. And um, with extreme difficulty. The people apologising in the hotel for the fact that they uh, can't take reservations. Now, now we know that's a, there's nuance there. Um, so, the people involved in the tourist business are really suffering, Jim. What's the value of tourism to, for example, County Clare? How much money are we talking about? Luke usually has those figures in his mind. Well, okay. Um, Anybody got the figures, the value, the annual? Well, you'd have a sense that it does contribute fairly heftily to the actual economy. Yeah. Mm. And we're talking about they're not the shops, the, retail outlets, uh, restaurants. So you're down to a situation, Jim, where and we saw it coming, and we didn't take a sufficient amount of attention to it. Can we keep going? Can we? put ourselves in the position of the hotel and bed and breakfast people, can we? Hmm. Well, the, the first thing to say is that these hoteliers um, make the choice. And they've made the choice to lease these rooms to the government for, uh, for refugees and Ukrainians. Yeah. And as Porrig reports here, um, last year, hotel operators in Clare made 21.27 million euro, out of the, 20, out of over 21 million euro. Mm. And I wonder whether they would make that money uh, in a good summer's uh, uh, tourism season. One hotel, the White's Hotels, which owns hotels in Listonvarna, yeah. according to Porig, received 6.4 million alone. Now, hotel owners are business people. And they are making the choice, and they are probably realizing that they probably can make more from the government 
than they can from yeah. tourism. Now, the other thing I would say about uh, tourism in County Clare is, and we all know this, the tourists are, most tourists, the Cliffs of Moher, one of the most popular visitor attractions in the Republic. Right. Most of those tourists are bussed in and they're bussed back out. Yeah, they do not stay in the about county. That since its inception, haven't yeah. we, really? But and we've seen then, hotels why, close in this county. Why, therefore, does Owen Ryan write on behalf or for the tourist side of things? And the heading of the article, Clare Tourism Forum calls for a halt to the asylum seekers. Oh, that's a big call. I, I, I would David. love for him to explain it. Yeah. Um, and for the councillors to explain it in the context of what I've just said, because their yeah. own members are making the money. Absolutely. It is their choice. Yeah. The they can I, walk away the, from those leases. The heading call on the Care Champion, Care Tour, Tourism Forum calls for a halt yeah. to asylum seekers. But in the first few lines of the article, yeah. he says what he's urging is a more even dispersal of refugees across the county. Yeah. If that's possible even mm. so they want to have they want to eat their cake and um <laughs> well, the, the, i can't i don't know what that the point is. Of is okay <laughs> they're talking about 20 million there but most of this that's all just taxpayers money from this country what about people that are complaining that are spending money and the americans and and, and and british and europeans and all they'll bring in money and spend money in the country that, 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 and they probably are losing, spending money you're losing that money you're losing that if, if people are going up yeah. and they say look at there's nowhere to say they'll go off somewhere else but do we have evidence that that is happening? Well, so we that? know, we know, you know, it is, it is happening, David. But do we, though? Well, if there's a 37% reduction in the amount of bed nights, yeah. I mean, if that figure is true, and I've no reason to think it isn't, yeah. um, there, there has to be a lessening of opportunities to stay. But we have seen over the last number of decades hotels closing. Just the Scarif Hotel closed. Ma the few in Liston Varna closed. Mount Shannon has closed. Yeah, Morris Walsh was on this morning. He's the, he's the manager of Dr. Nellis. He's, he's the chairman. He's the chairman of the Clare Tourism uh, Forum. Yeah. Okay, he's a restaurant below in Shannon. And below in Burmati. Uh, if we keep filling on the hotels with the asylum, the asylum seekers, I'm going to be going to Dr. Nellis. Yeah. To eat to dinner. Now, that's a different matter. The restaurant owners are probably suffering. No. But, but, but the hoteliers are, I think, making money. Well, they're probably There's money. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Some um, people would say for jam. Yeah. But I agree with you. The, the shops, the cafes, and the restaurants are probably the ones suffering, all right. Yeah. Um, but whether, and as I said before, though, Pat, these most of the tourists into County Clare are bussed in and bussed back out. They might stay for lunch, but they'll be bussed back out and they'll they'll um, stop on the road in a nice restaurant. Yeah, but, on the way back to Dublin. But the government, the government need to have a, a proper plan. This this uh, Ukrainian war isn't going to isn't going to be over next year or the year after or maybe ten years. Yeah. There should be a proper plan. There's loads and loads of, 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 of buildings in the country owned by the government, owned by the state, idle, left there, rotten. Maybe they're not rotten, but they're left there with nobody in them. Pat, the, why, the, the why listeners would want, to, would want to ask you, where are these buildings you're talking well, about? They're there, they're, 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 they're there, John, yeah. They're there. Take, give, give me one so that I can hone in. There's a big building above in... There's a big building above in... Uh, above in, in, in um, in Bellinasloe on, on the Dublin Road on the left hand side of the, the mental hospital. The former yeah. mental hospital. Why wouldn't that be renovated and done up? 
Yeah, but I, mean, I, I don't think it's falling down those fires yeah. yeah. every second week, a fine building. Yeah. Why couldn't those buildings be renovated and put, put into use? And what about the one on the, on the Gort Road? The um, mental hospital. Oh, lady, yes, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's what yeah. you're talking about, yeah. 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 I'd be with Pat on this that. Um, yeah. There was a lot of we, convents and those schools and those, those lots of places closed up that could be renovated yeah. and could be put yeah. back into use for, for, for that type of stuff. Mm. Why we, do you think we, it's not happening? Sorry. I, I don't know. Is there, I, maybe it's a lack of planning. Maybe it's, it's an absence of planning. <laughs> I know that there's a man here on my <laughs> right. No, no, he's he's beginning to have an influence <laughs> on us, I think. <laughs> but like I say, if you go through every town in Ireland, uh, major town, there's, there's, there's some building mm. there that could so be used. So are we just reacting to things the whole well, time? That's our case, his reaction to it. We, we, the, I would yeah. entirely agree with Pat. The time, the time has come and gone now for the government to have placed, a, dare I say, a plan, put a plan in place mm. for, for the continued numbers of uh, asylum seekers, refugees from war and catastrophe yeah. and others because this country will not no longer go back to the trickle that were there but we will have and there could be further wars mm. Mm. Let's, let's face it if, if climate change is if going climate, to, yeah i was going to, just going to say look if, yeah. if climate change Big keeps war. going you're going to have all those north africans arriving here and also you're talking about the tourist side of things that's uh, the only thing i would say to you is there's one group that has planned, that had raised this towards the end of last year. Where is the mecca of tourism in this country? Begin a storehouse? No, no, no. Where is the mecca of tourism? I would say Dublin. I would disagree with you, Would John. you? I would say that the people... Are you going to say East Clare? I am saying the cute people of Kerry. And they raised this point last year. Oh, and course, specifically yeah. in relation to the restaurants yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. pubs and, you know, outside yeah, yeah, the, the hotel. They raised this point last year. They're trying to do their bit to get their bits yeah. back. But as I said, planning this country, we don't do it. Yeah. No. The, uh, the, the related story on the front page, Jim, is about the proposed new direct provision centre in Shannon. And here again, the same old story, Shannon residents and members of the public more generally know very little about it. Uh, the, the use of the word secrecy is, is there in, in the, in the sub-headline by Owen Ryan. Um, I think this is a, a warehouse. Michael McNamara, Michael McNamara has highlighted it. Well, it is a warehouse, yes. It's a big warehouse. They're putting 70 rooms into the, into the bottom part of it. How many? It's 70. 70 rooms. And Michael McNamara has raised in the door, which is there on the, there on the second page. Michael McNamara has raised in the door, and he has got no information of any description high up or lower down. Hmm. So the, the, people, the people in Shannon are worried about the GP services and the, the school services and all the, all the rest, the same as every other, the same as every other um, uh, group that perhaps has a big influx, influx, influx of, um, of Ukrainians coming into, the, coming into the place. And I suppose they have, I suppose they have really, um, it's possibly really good right concerns over it. Mm. And there's no doubt about it. When there is a, an absence of information, there are people out there who oh, yes, will yeah. fill that void yeah. with all oh, sorts so of, of stuff which, which bear no relation to the facts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jim, we're looking forward. Earlier in the, in, in the programme, we mentioned uh, the, the 
problem with refugees getting employment. And you say we have to wait, or they have to wait six months. Is that, that the cut point? Yeah. What's magical about that? What, wouldn't it be a lot better for the mental health of everybody concerned if they could work three months earlier? Why, why not? We're I short. Tony O'Brien tells us we're short of workers here in Clare, in his article. This is on page three, con yeah, concern over right? de deficit of mm. council workers. So, Jim, why can't we actually change that to... means that, that, uh, that some of our civil servants will have to do a little bit more work. Well, it looks like a line on a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, perhaps some checks need to be done. Uh, you know, or at least mm. some well, type I, I of accept that. But. You know, checking needs to be done. But six months seems a long time. Yeah. I mean, I see the guys in Scarif at the moment, and and you see them around every day, and they're really well behaved. Doesn't seem to be any great problems with any, as far as I can see. But of course, um, a lot of those I've seen one or two. I haven't seen a lot, but I've seen one or two. A lot of them are women and children, um, and women they probably are not in a position of, to work because they probably have to look after the child mm. or the children. So, um, yeah, There are a number of men as well. They, are there? Yeah. So they, oh, they yeah. might have an opportunity to work. But the country is, uh, the country is facing a significant labour shortage. Sure, we have shortages both uh, of doctors and nurses all the way down to all the skilled craftspeople and tradespeople. I mean, anybody thinking of doing plumbing um, would do well. Well, I'd, I'd or say would do well, or electrical, yeah, yeah. anything like that, because the country is massively, yeah. massively yeah. demands them. Okay, so we also them. have a shortage of an illegal encampment at, in Six Mile Bridge. Yeah. Uh, it was, I suppose, greatly to the relief of the people who use that railway station. Yeah, Six Mile Bridge railway station, no free of encampments. And there's a, photo, there's a photograph there, a concrete block placed uh, to limit access to Six Mile Bridge train, train station <coughs> by Clare County Council on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the final, on Wednesday story, yeah, the final um, occupants of the car park in Six Mile Bridge railway station were forced to leave at the weekend, meaning there's now no encampment there for the first time since February 2021. That's two and a half years ago since they arrived in there. While the development has been welcomed locally, there was, an, there was an attempt by people to re-enter the car park on Tuesday night. Measures were taken this week to prevent an encampment being established there again, while it is understood that from this source that there will only be pedestrian access to the station. So it looks like that uh, they have to block it off until they I heard um, um, uh, Eleanor Callan today, and he was uh, here a bit on... Yeah. And he said that uh, they were putting up a barrier, that the council would be putting up a barrier there to uh, stop from um, high, any high vehicle from going in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, before we leave that issue that we, were, we, we had <coughs> spent time on already this morning, uh, this afternoon, Michael Mack posed a question for us. We, we did not answer it. And the question was on the rights of community to know. Now that is a, a very, very important question. And, uh, and I'm saying to myself, yes, absolutely, a community <coughs> is entitled to know. No hidden. That word secrecy is frightening, I can know. Yes. Isn't it? And is the, I, well, and just to, to stay with that for a sec, is the, the secrecy 
is, is, the, is the fear that if people know, they will object and take measures to prevent um, refugees coming. I wonder, is, is that the reason for the secrecy? No, it could be. For, it may be, but I also think it may be a simpler thing is undone laziness. Hmm. That is in, inviting. If you make observations as a civil servant, no matter where you are in that civil servant rank, you may going to have to do a bit of work. Mm. I suppose <laughs> in the Scarif scenario, and it was far from perfect, but at least information was given to the local representatives yeah. Yeah. Who, mm. who passed it on yeah. locally. Yeah. And it did. Well, I would take a guess if the events of Inch hadn't taken place the week before, there's a good possibility the level of information may not have been forthcoming. Yes. was there prior to them arriving. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just, just going back to, to the six-point <coughs> yes. yeah. uh, Just Alan O'Callaghan, he's a good point here. As far back as August 2021, local uh, councillor Alan O'Callaghan said there was frustration over, long, how, over how long it was taking to remove the encampment, where he said there appeared to be double standards operating. If I drove to Limerick, into Limerick Railway Station, and left my car overnight without paying parking charges, my car would be impounded and taken away with a huge fine to pay to get it back. Maybe the law needs to be changed, he said. Even at this time, he felt the matter was taking far too long to resolve. Mm -hmm. So it's a fair but, point. But the point, I'm, I'm not sure about that, Pat. Do you have to pay to use Six Mile Bridge? Well, you don't, but you can't go in and use it and stay in, stay in it for two years. Like. Oh, I know that, mm. but I'll tell you, if, if you were to charge Six Mile Bridge, then there is another reason to remove people. You could, re you could actually clamp mm. and remove them mm. if there was a, a charge. I don't think charge. there was a charge, no, I don't, I don't I'd know. love an explanation, though, as mm. to why it took so long. Yeah. Is there a legal problem? I suspect it's legal. Yeah. With, with moving, you know, an encampment like that, do you have to provide alternative accommodation as far as possibly I'm just wondering you know it's possibly. never been spelled out mm. well not that I've heard anyway as to yeah. why that is the case these, and these people of Six Mile Bridge deserve to know that these people these people uh, who are camped uh, camp, the, 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 the Clare County Council have uh, have uh, special places for for those uh, people to pull in with their encampments but they, they, they refuse to win there mm. there's but, one inside Nunes and the Quinn Road and it's in clear. Yeah. But they won't use it, they'll, they'll just rather go around and yeah. make a nose into somewhere else. Yes, I know. Okay, we'll, we'll go on from there. Just related to that, I suppose, briefly, uh, Irish Rail produced a new plan during the week. And I suppose one of the things I know, they, they plan to upgrade, I saw the line from Limerick to Ennis. Yeah. Um, uh, and also... And the Western Corridor up, up, up to, yeah, to um, Belenay yes. is, is listed in as well. No, this is a long-term plan, I it think, is, yeah. which is... And the link to Shannon Airport and Dublin Airport, and there's a, a, a Lewis uh, one to Cork Airport. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're going to plan... They're, 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 the plan is, uh, although we often say this country doesn't do planning, this is an example, <laughs> perhaps, of a plan. Now, whether they'll achieve the plan is another matter. But, uh, yeah, to shorten the times and to Maybe electrify the railways. We, we're way behind in terms of yeah. railways. Could I come refer you back to Errol Aaron's promotional material from many years ago? 
we're not there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> they haven't got very far. Yeah, and I think even before that, Percy Friend said, are you right there, Michael? Are you right? Um, there's probably more to planning, though, David, than coming up with a plan. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Well, but well, according to this plan, they said, we're publishing it now so that we can apply for the planning permissions and do all the rest. But it's all money dependent. And it is a cross-border plan as well. Yeah. And without the Northern Ireland executive, yeah. that'd be pie in the sky for a little while. But but we are way behind Europe yeah. in in our railways. Like most of Europe is electrified. Yes, We are running yeah. diesel trains. We won't be uh, when we, this plan is... We have roughly 2.8 kilometres of... Is it 2.8 um, uh, uh, kilometres of the present name? But we had five pints something uh, uh, back 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And most a lot of those railway yeah. lines have removed and gone. Yeah. And the other, I remember there are now greenways. When mm-hmm. my children were going in, two of them were in college in Galway, and you know to take the bus or the train from the railway station in Ennis, yes. And the bus would get you there in half the time that it took yeah. the train to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is you know so, mm-hmm. and we're talking about putting traffic on rails and yeah. moving road traffic. Yeah. And you want to have another stop in Crusheen, which will slow down the, <laughs> the railway even further. Yeah, there's a bit of a contradiction there, isn't there, really? Uh-huh. But I suppose if you speed up the trains, uh, you will even including... Even including Crusheen. Crusheen. Well, let's electrify them first, and then I'll concede Crusheen to you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's Irish rail. I still on the transport. Uh, it's on page six in the Clare Champion, page 13 in the Clare Echo. Uh, Shannon had its busiest six months in the past decade, which yeah, is great to see. Absolutely. I'd like to hear David now give a compliment to uh, the airport because he uh, had a thorn in his back uh, uh, side over this. Uh, it's not is, right. is, is it, John, is it the airport that we should credit or members of the public using the airport or both? The, the, end, both. Result, the end result... Uh, of the, using the airport comes from the airport selling the idea. Is it? Okay, okay. I used the airport last week and uh, such... And how, how was it? It was, it was a pleasure, as always, to use. Straight in, um, no problems. But I have to say, the car parks were full, which is a sign that they are yeah. busier than ever. But they'll probably get to a point in the not-too-distant future where they will be short of car parking spaces. Now, they have plenty of ground, I suppose, which they could use. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I was obliged to go into an ancillary car park because the long stay was full. But, um, and even that was full when I was coming home. But it's a very good sign. Um, will I give you a bit, when compared to the same period in 2022, this is a 41% increase on last year. So there's 902,603 passengers uh, in, in that six-month period. Uh, and it's a 6% increase on 2018, which is the way you should compare because of, because of COVID, of COVID. Um, um, which was the next highest record for passenger traffic during the same month since 2009. So it's approaching, it's approaching to where it, the record highs. Mm. Okay. Do you think Jim will be able to get that phone call now? That I'm, I'm sure now that they're now that they're in the black again. Um, well, I'm going through there Saturday tomorrow morning. Week. You, you are tomorrow week. Uh, at seven o'clock. Very good. Yeah. Are you going to Greece? No, I'm going to I'm going to Toronto. Oh, you oh, are, of course. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. you can congratulate the CEO in person then. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> okay, the um, Clare champion, uh, John. But it's the story of two murals. Oh yeah, the front page. Uh, it's a lovely picture on the front page. Lovely. That's Natalie El Baba with a, a group of five girls. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and what do they call it? Um, on the Kilki, on Kilki Waterworld. Kilki Waterworld. They, making the, positive choices is what they call it. Spaces it? and places to play. And now you, you, you go to page three of the same newspaper, and what do you find? A heading, Ennis mural attack is wanton destruction. This is where another mural in Ennis. Good God, what kind of mentality? Yeah, and, and, and a, a claim Portuguese street artists have been vandalised in active, which has been described locally as sickening. Yeah, yeah so, somebody has sprayed some sort of um, yes. paint, paint or something mm, yeah. over a, what is a black and white mural. Many people will, will may recognise it because uh, it's on one of the laneways there in yeah. and you pass yeah. by. And, um, but what is it? David? It's vandalism, isn't it? It's... Like, I, they're not, there's no statement, it's not political or anything, it's just wanton vandalism. Wanton destruction, as the headline has it. Yeah. Um, these things cost money, number one, to put there. Yeah. Um, they, in the case of the Ennis piece, they got, as Pat was saying, a Portuguese street artist to do it, and she had to be paid out of the public purse. Yeah. And now somebody will have to be paid to clean it, probably. So... So yeah. it is, it's, it's, it's terrible to see these things. But unfortunately, I mean, in the public realm, these things do happen in all sorts. But happily, you know, you don't see as much of it as I think you probably did in the past. You know, trees being broken and all that, mm. and park benches destroyed. Yeah. I think it's calmed down a little bit, but still obviously... It's sad, a little it's sad. sad yeah. But there must be, I mean, I know it's, it's too big for this programme, but yeah. there must be something that we can do, whether it's at, at, at community level, whether it's at school level, to, to kind of ensure that people, realize, and young people particularly, realise the value of things in the community and have a certain appreciation for them. I remember, John, you and I were part of the Community Council in 2000, and in 1993, 1996, mm. and we planted the trees up in the green yes and one of the things we did i remember at the time was we went to the primary school yeah and we got pupils from the primary school come down and actually plant them yeah um Give you know them ownership of them that yes. was the and they've, they've never been one yeah. i think got damaged yeah. but i don't think it was vandalism yeah but generally yeah. they That's have true. but that, but that is the, the that is the way to do it and i think happily the vast majority the vast vast majority of young people do respect the public realm and these, and, and you can see it there in the front page, these young girls or teenage girls, whatever they are, um, we have to doing put, the mural themselves. David, we have to put more money into the provision of uh, outlets for younger people. I mean, the clubs have got to take some degree of responsibility. Yeah. They're in an ideal position, no matter whether it's a soccer club or rugby club, a tennis club or a hurling club, you know, mm. to take on a certain responsibility for inculcating positive values like the guy Jim is talking about. Yeah, do you yeah, agree? Yeah, yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Okay, we're approaching half time. 
Um, Pat, if you want to go to Supermax, you're going to have to go into Ennis for a while longer before you can <laughs> get your snack box. Well, I, I, don't, I, I normally don't go to, go to, um, go to fast food restaurants anywhere, Jim. Or even for an ice cream, Pat. Yeah, well, an ice cream maybe, but I, would, I, I don't, I don't uh, have taken any burgers or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, anyway. healthy, a, an active life, healthy diet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, I think Pat McDonough... Uh, the, it's page five, page five of the channel. Yeah, Pat um, McDonough has to wait another while before he can he can uh, open his um, his uh, station outlet on, on the MAT. On the, yeah, uh, just Christopher Quinn has it, and uh, Pat is there. Um, yeah, with his hand up to his cheek, I suppose he's fed up. <laughs> what he's going to do? Uh, an RTL civil engineer has been given permission by the High Court to challenge plans for a ten million development of the motorway service station and the Ulster's Michael Duffy from Kilfenor is seeking to overturn last year's decision by your Nortman Board which granted Supermax Director Pat McDonough permission to construct service station development adjacent to the Junction 12 and the M18 at Kilbrick and Dora. This week, Mr Justice Richard Humphreys granted a leave in pair to Mr Duffy to challenge the decision of one Board and an amended statement of the grounds of appeal must be filed with the court within two weeks. So uh, the matter will be put back to the courts for a few today. I suppose it's going to take a while before it's going mm. to be dealt with. I remember when the, a similar thing in Gort, the, the biomass plant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the, the talk was, this cost €75,000. That's what they were looking to collect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to bring high court proceedings. To bring high court proceedings, yeah. which he, I would hasten to add he's quite entitled to do. Um, but it does seem, you know, like... Either the man feels very strongly about it, mm. or maybe there are other people involved. In, 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 the, in many it, cases, it, it, fees are the, the fee. I know, not, I don't have a personal experience, but I know of people who've brought cases and the fees are dismissed because a case is taken in the public interest. And therefore, the public interest means you, me, and Pat, and, uh, and John, and Luke paying those fees. Yeah. It's up to the courts, really. This, Mr. Duffy, Mr. Duffy has brought it on a number of grounds, his case. He claims that there is no evidence that the board carried out any assessment or scientific inquiry to complete an appropriate assessment. That's, That's number one. Board Panala. That's on board Panala. Um, he, he states that the EU's Habitat Directive requires the decision-maker assessment to contain complete, precise and definitive findings and conclusions capable of removing all reasonable scientific data. He's, so he's arguing that the process hasn't been followed. So it's a technical matter now, it's a legal matter. And if, if one of those things is true, then it's thrown out. Yeah. And he probably feels very strongly. And if it's true that there was no assessment or scientific inquiry, that would be a major um, boo-boo. By, by Bort Panola. By Bort Panola. Yeah. You would Which I would imagine Clare County Council would have done when they were. Clare County Council probably did do their bit, but when Umbord Panala was assessing the appeal, he claims that they should have done one as well. Mm. So that would mean that it could go back to Umbord Panala again? It wouldn't. It would have, the whole process would probably have to start again. Okay, so that's a. Maybe. Now, yeah. I don't know. I, yes. don't, I could be wrong about that. It isn't well. Then on board for all, it might, it might be Mr. McDonald yeah. claims anyway that the, the players would create 120 jobs. 
Okay, listen, we've reached half time. You're listening to local media this week uh, on Scarif Bay Community Radio, sponsored by Root Griffin Photography. And uh, Pat, our resident DJ, what are you playing for us uh, to relax for the, well, the half time break? Tony Bennett uh, passed away the end of the last week, so I suppose I left my heart in San Francisco. Did you, Pat? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Toronto. <laughs> if you're going to look for it. Okay, Tony Bennett, I left my heart in San Francisco. I left my heart in San Francisco. High on a hill It calls to me To be where little cable cars You're very welcome back. You're listening to Local Media This Week on Scarif Bay Community Radio sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. And you were listening there to the late Tony Bennett I left my heart in San Francisco, Pat's choice for our half-time break. Now, I suppose one of the things, we, we didn't actually have time for this uh, in the first part of the show, but in the Clare Champion, there's uh, on page two of the Clare Champion, uh, very much uh, doubts are expressed and maybe no doubts at all about it. Uh, reservations are expressed about particularly two junctions of the M18 motorway. And there, I suppose, one is the, the, the East Clare roundabout there, that uh, junction, and the other one is the Bearfield um, exit. And I suppose, Pat, they're, they're not safe. Yeah, well, uh, I think Pat Hayes has brought up that on numerous occasions, he has been about uh, those junctions. They're very sharp coming into them. And there was a, an accident where a poor man got killed from Cushing there. He was delivering milk there about two years ago, there at the Torrid Junction. So I suppose that definitely there should be more of a lead into. Like when you come into a junction and you want to go off left, you, 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 you know, you, 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 you have a feeder, you yeah. usually have a feeder lane in, but they're, they're, those are very sharp. And, and coming off that junction as well, around the Limerick Road, is very sharp to move out as well. So. I think he has a point, really. Hmm. Yeah, well, he has added the 13th and 14th and 15th exit yeah. to his hmm. complaint. It's so a, there it's you a, are. It's a, it is a very busy junction. You know, it's one yeah. of the one of the ones for it's one of the two, three Ennis exits. Um, and David, it has been referred to on radio, on the written media. Okay, at the county council, why is something not happening? Well, I what? think I think the county council need to write to the National That's, Transport yeah. Authority, the National Roads Authority, National Roads Authority, yeah. and as a matter of urgency, to get it upgraded. It's their responsibility, it's Pat. It's I it's think, it's and um, I don't know. Is it a, is it a question of, of of the purchase of additional ground to facilitate a longer yeah. lead in and lead ramp? It I cost know. money. It, it, of course, it did, and that's probably the reason it is that way. A cost saving measure. It was a cost saving measure at yeah. the time. I'd say there's enough ground there. That, that, that road is very wide. On, you know that uh, on, 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 when you're driving along that motorway, mm. there's loads of there's loads of space at, 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 at the left hand side. And you need space, even like we said, the Gort 
yeah. uh, turnoff mm. or the Ennis turnoff or mm. various other un- yeah. turnoffs on the same road yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. are much safer because you have more space to work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, anyway, so, so we'll I, add our call to that. Yes. Yes. Right. Jim, could I butt in there now for, for a minute? By all uh, means. Uh, John, we're now going to have a, a few minutes of a conversation because um, uh, the, the other three people in the room here are actually uh, involved in, in this, so, so as not to be biased, uh, we'll talk about it. So, so on, on page one of the, the champion and the header, there, there's a picture of a man uh, posing like a, a, a GEA sports star, I could only refer to. Uh, uh, all he's missing is his Cork jersey. Uh, but, but he has uh, David delves into history, and it tells you go to page nine. Be and thankful then, for small mercy. And, and, <laughs> and then we go to page nine, and Tim Grady historian publishes Perry biography. And it's a, a wonderful article, we'll say, published by uh, Fiona McGarry. And I know Fiona is a great supporter of the radio here and uh, is very interested in uh, a lot of what goes on. Uh, but uh, she references uh, an interview that David did uh, with uh, Pat and Jim, we'll say, on the Saturday Chronicle. So I want you to take it away now and you can cast your... Um, uh, I said, you were missing for that day, you know, so, so, so uh, you can cast your uh, thoughts on, on, on the three gentlemen present. But of course, David being the author of the book. You know, I have to say now, uh, this article reflects beautifully on our colleague and the work which he has done. Heading of the article, Tomb Grainy Historian publishes Perry Biography. He's wondering what we're going to say about Logan. <laughs> uh, okay. But um, could I bring the listeners into the city of Limerick? If you have to, John. If I have <laughs> to. Indeed, we do. We've got to locate it, give it a context. And if you go up O'Connell Street, you see the lovely Georgian buildings on your right hand side and on your left hand side. And you can take swings off to the left, side street, and you can get to, eventually, Perry Square. And it's this guy, Perry, that engaged uh, David's attention. And so he took it on. And after nine years, this is what we have here in front of us. I'm halfway through it. Did you get to read yours yet? I'm afraid I'm not as good a history buff as either of the people in this room, any of the people in this room, but I do have a very fine copy, an autographed copy, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) of said book. Well, um, Perry, Sexton Perry. Fine-looking guy, you see. uh, Actually, is he... uh, Is that the photograph of him? That's an actual portrait. On the book cover is an actual... Yeah, He's a like myself, yeah. as if he was a GA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man, um, I, I'm selling the book, by the way. <laughs> You've been only half rich. I changed the telly. Wouldn't have been attended to many humbling finals, would you? He probably not. <laughs> You'd be no, surprised. I think them. he would have. I think he would have been a fan. And hurling, as you know, was a big sport in the in the 18th century. There were no rules then, and they decided to end it whenever the one side got a bit tired. Yeah. They could have went on for hours. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did. By the way, purely again for the benefit of the listener, anybody know the earliest 
reference to hurling in Irish history? Well, it must, it must be Fionn. Um, I suppose would Finn McCool and, yeah. and the, the, the mythology around That's yeah. right, salmon, of yeah. salmon of knowledge and, and, he, and he flaked Cullen. 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 Yeah. Cullen. Yeah. He and he flaked in the balls yeah. to cover the ground but when that was written I don't know but, but anyway uh, it's, it's been a labour of love we know this we, at the launch of the book in the, man, in the uh, custom house in, in Limerick so many weeks ago and uh, the number of pounds which you'll have to dig into, well, we won't, we won't mention filthy lucre, <laughs> uh, but it's Go well on. worth, it's one for the library, but it's more than that. It's a readable book, do you know? Um, and we'll congratulate our good friend, will we? I, I, I think we should. Well, well he is a fellow Tungrini man, John. <laughs> no, so of, course, of course, we have to. We hold, him, we hold him in very high esteem, you know. You know so. An adopted Tungrini yeah, yeah. man. Adopted, adopted. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so. I, I'm, I'm very grateful to those very humbling comments and to the wonderful interview that uh, Jim yeah. and Pat did uh, for Scarif Bay Community Radio, which Fiona, I think, picked up on. Um, I've been described as a Clare historian, a Tungrini historian. Um, and you mentioned my home county of Cork, but yeah. I'm just happy being a historian wherever yeah. I am. Yeah, and of course we're very proud of the fact, Luke, that we have uh, David and Kerry uh, who have come to live in the community and add their little Well, we, we were delighted to, to be accepted and be allowed in. Yes, really. Yeah. Yeah. Without and, having to see a visa. The, you know, yeah. and, and they, they never have a problem with being referred to as being from Tungreni, John. You know, yeah. so, you know, so that's <laughs> now, is, if anybody wants to buy um, a copy of this book, uh, for, where would be the easiest place, Luke? Uh, for, well, Four Courts Press and O'Mahony's, I presume, in Ennis. O'Mahony's yeah. in Ennis. And Actually, I went into Ennis and they didn't have it, but O'Mahony's in Limerick. But they'll get it out to you from yeah. Limerick if you yeah. go to yeah. the Ennis. Yeah. And, and but you can buy it online as well. Yeah, and I, we should sort of give a bit of a sneak preview. He, he, David doesn't really know it yet, but he, he, he sort of knows it, but he's going to be giving a talk in Killaloo to their uh, historical it's society uh, in September, all going well in relation to it. Because uh, you, know, you always look for the connection, John. Of course. And there is an East Clare connection to Sexton Perry, and David will tell Explore all about it at the presentation. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. Exactly. And, and I think just to finish, we have to refer to the fine photograph by Eugene McCafferty there on That was well posed for uh, uh, yeah. David. Well, looks, <laughs> looking very relaxed. Yeah. Right, so congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Very much. Yeah. Right, Jim, back to the show. Okay. Uh, Chipboard was for maybe over, about 50 years, was over 50 years in fact, was a, a mainstay of employment here in East Clare. Jim, no. could, I, could I interrupt you please? I'm just after realising that in the height of our respective enthusiasm in dealing with, we forgot to say that the story is the story of the foundation of Georgian Limerick. Okay? Yeah. It would be, I mean, we chatted away and, and listeners may have... And by the way, before we go to the Limerick, celebrated in Perry Square on Monday night. Indeed. They did indeed, they, they yes. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did. 
as opposed yeah. to the Gaelic grounds. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Chipboard, um, an exhibition will be held next weekend uh, the, on the occasion of the uh, Scarif Harbour Festival. And the exhibition is in the actual Chipboard uh, grounds, and it's mentioned there in... It's on uh, page 18, page 18 uh, of the, towards of, the end of the, of the, um, of the second page. A yeah. Tale of Timber lies at the heart of a photographic exhibition. And I see a few people I haven't seen for a while. Max Bogenberger is there, um, whom you'd know, John. Very well. And uh, Seamus Jurek and Seamus Shinners, are picture. And Doris Scanlon, who worked for many years in, in the, the office. In the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I see Marie McInerney is on the, in the Echo gym there. There's an athlete on the Echo as well, and Marie is Marie McInerney. Yes, and Scanlon is photograph is there. Do you know, remember when you walked down the Fecal Road and you were looking in the early years, you were looking in to the back of the factory? Do you remember the image? You talk about the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> it was an extraordinary amalgam of pipes and, and what have you. And Ian went down there. He was a, a student at the time, an art student. And he did a sketch from the roadway. Now, it took a couple of days to achieve it. But a sketch of, <coughs> excuse me, of the actual picture you see. And we have that above. So if I can, if I get time um, between all the things we're at, uh, I'll get it framed. It's a, a, an excellent piece of sketching of a scene that's gone and replaced with houses. Do you know the houses, the new houses? The new houses that are being constructed yeah, at the moment, yeah. yeah. And Marie McInerney, of course, is there. Marie's grandfather was Tom. instrumental, Tom, known yeah. as Old Tom, back in the day, uh, was instrumental in getting it started. You go down to, you go down to Tom to get a job, and uh, he'd uh, say, go down and tell them I sent you down. Hmm. But the, the whole thing of Chipboard, I mean, there's so many facets to it. Obviously the work, but the whole social aspect of, of East Clare, how people who had small farms got part-time work there, or got work there and part-time farmed as well. And then the whole sports area, they had a, and, and Seamus Jurek and Seamus mm. Shinners of their both Clare and Tipperary goalkeepers uh, in the 70s. So they, they, you know, there is a lot of, uh, of story Absolutely. about chipboard. There is, it's, it's, it's got to be written. I remember uh, there's one particular person that I was very close to. He shall be nameless, but he was a farmer. And he got up at seven o'clock in the morning to bring his milk to the creamery and got into the factory at eight. Now, that was re replicated quite a number of times, as you mentioned, yeah. the smaller farm. All over East Clare. And so what was happening was it was an incentive to, for the workers to actually um, invest little pounds into the, the, uh, the financing of the farm. And in many instances, and this particular person ended up with a, a, a sizable dairy herd out of what was a very, very small and, um, and a, a sizable extra 30, 40 acres of land. So mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the, the part of the gym that is crucially important in explaining the impact which the factory had 
on uh, on the socio-economic life. Yeah. And Joe, a uh, friend of ours who was lecturing in UL in the sociology department, he did a, um, a doctorate on the evolution of Scarf from an agricultural to an industrial society. Fabulous piece of work. Yeah. Very, very important. Yeah, I, I, you re- referenced there earlier, John, you know, uh, go, go, go down the hill and go in and get a job. I, I, I would just counter that and say, once you go down the hill, you cross over the bridge and enter <laughs> Tungraini to get a job. <laughs> you, you know, but, uh, uh, no, having, having growing up, Literally backing on you did, yeah. to the fa- to the factory, it wasn't all greatness and light. No. There oh. were issues, <laughs> and I think nowadays there were. If you had the environmental issues that you had back then, uh, I think that there, you know, it would make a lot of headlines. But I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And, I think we and, all are. Yeah. You know, because it is history, and it, oh. you're right; it does need to be recorded. But isn't it wonderful in a way that this is happening, and early next year. People are go- all over the country and all over the world are going to be able to see little bits of Finsa because the TV show that was uh, shot, Blackwater, uh, around Killaloo and the area around here for the last three months, they shot scenes actually in, in, the, the, office, in the office building ah. in, in the fact. So that you can keep a lookout for that next year. Mike Logorman wrote a book about 10, 13 years ago. Uh, about uh, Fensa at 50. Now, it was still open at the time. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a booklet. Yes. You know, lots of little vignettes and photographs and everything. But um, it does need to be done, as you say, at a, you know, at a sociological mm. level. Um, Pat? Just the other, um, it says there in the article, Jim, um, images and stories of rural manufacturing industry will reflect the memories of 11 people, in, including specially commissioned photographs by John Kelly from the Clare Champion. So John Kelly will have uh, specially commissioned. And they'll, they'll, John Kelly, as we know, is a, a fantastic uh, photographer. Yeah. There was 350 people employed. Uh, the factory went on to employ over 350 people, most of whom came from the towns and villages, as Jim said earlier on. Many with farming background and yourself, you know. So um, I'll give you a bit thing about uh, being taken over by EKO Integrated Services. And they are going to set up, um, they are going to develop it into well, a small industry can move in. That's their, that's their plans here according to the African. So it might be back up running again, John, in, in, in a different uh, Isn't it an amazing way. thing that there wasn't a, a huge negative reaction when eventually things were closed? Yeah, there wasn't, I suppose. There was a reaction when it, when it went down and we all headed off to Dublin to protest. Mm. And it had a, that had a, a, a temporary positive outcome. But the actual, uh, the, the, the blood was drained out of the factory. But you say econ- economics, John, it sort of, it was, I think in a way it was a precursor. You had the timber first, then you had sugar, and now you have turf or briquettes. Yeah. You know, taking yeah. away part, part yeah. of our, our heritage, it's Jim, we need to move on. Okay, <laughs> parking in Scarif is mentioned, and the, the reason it came up at the uh, County Council meeting, uh, it just to indicate, I suppose, that uh, all isn't yet over the line in terms of, is it, of a car park. It's a bit shorty in East Fairfield, John. Hmm. Well, it appears that um, the council don't yet own the, own the site, um, which is... 
quite remarkable in many respects because they we were told that plans were far advanced and that the money was being that various applications were being made but you would have thought that the council by this stage should own it and we're not told why exactly um, the senior planner and Killaloo Municipal District Coordinator Brian McCarthy said work is being done to provide more car parking in Scarif. We are working on it and progress is being made on the legal side of things. He said we don't have the land in full ownership yet and are anticipating a call for funding applications of September. The car park will be part of that. So it's well, it's not. Uh, all those things, all those things in transferring the property is a slow process anyway, and they, they don't they don't get moved on. It's a bit like Aaron Road, a bit like Aaron Road there. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, David, I suppose good news for for Luke in particular uh, is that uh, the EV charging points. Yes. We're it's like the just, what we talking about the green page. Yeah, David, I say out for them. The, the heritage sites, oh, we were making the, progress the green, every green clear. month yeah. for about 18 months. Yeah. But uh, it's the same with the... They're yeah. reasonably advanced. Is reasonably that a new one? Adva <laughs> <laughs> reasonably advanced is a new one, yeah. Well, let's see what they'll come up with in about six months' time. Um, yeah, we, we, we get these sorts of updates uh, in the council meetings. Councillors ask questions, in this case, Tony O'Brien looked for an update on, on the plans for electrical, electric vehicle charging points in Killaloo, in the town of Killaloo. Um, and he was told, well, they're going to come, but as you've said, not yet. Um, so the, 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 it goes on. And it's a quite a short article because it's nothing really to say about it, except that it's yeah. not done yet. We live in hope. We live in hope, yeah. Okay. On page 13 of the Clare Champion, again, the, uh, the Clare page, ambitious education plans on the horizon for East Clare. It sounds like back in the mid-60s, John. <laughs> uh, that's what they were saying when you appeared on the scene straight from Croke Park. It's interesting, though. The, um, the plan, you were at the meeting, weren't you, with, with the council uh, officers, uh, yeah, and well, I was I was present, and there was a presentation by the LCE to be yeah. generally with regards to what they do in general. Yeah. They have a very significant budget. I did not realise the money they had. I think about eighty five odd million a year. Yeah, you know, and they spoke about the development that they that they did in Saint Anne's in Killaloo, the development yeah. that they're going to be doing uh, in, in Raheen at the the Steiner School. Yeah, um, significant sums of money, and they they have proposals. Uh, that they're hoping to bring on to add a little bit extra to uh, the campus uh, in Tungrani, John, which yes, is uh, the Scarif campus, uh, uh, as they refer to they'll it, never in, get in Tungrani. Well, I see they, they, they're talking here, Scarif slash Tungrani. So yeah. well, we're, we're being joined up by Yeah, well, well, they actually have two campuses in Tungrani, if you think that they have the one <laughs> over uh, actually near the centre of the village and, and the one, we'll say, in the old school. But, uh, but it's spoke, exciting, isn't it? it, it it's an oh, exciting. Oh, it is, yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's um, the the courses that they offer and that they will be in a position to offer are significant. And you know, you have alluded to on many occasions trying to get people back into education that maybe 
had a bad experience or yeah or, or sort of left early or that want to get back in and to yeah. do something else yeah. Yeah. and they're looking at venues such as Cardiff Community Co-op or Gunlock Community Hall yeah. Care Care in Killaloo yeah, yeah. I, I, I was very impressed with the plan that they had in relation to how they interact with other agencies and, and not government agencies as yeah. in local yeah. community agencies on the ground it, it, I've, I've forecast that there will be Access very quickly, Jim. There'll be yeah. access to uh, university eventually from that campus. From that campus, yeah. yeah. It'll be a different model to the kind of one which we were traditionally. Mm. Um, mm. Okay. Yeah. So we all the university students not yes. necessarily gather yeah. in the one yeah. place. David, you have a planning notice well, there. Well, is, this is related to what we were talking about earlier. Um, proposed traffic calming measures to Market Square, Scariff, and an unknown road to us somewhere in Scariff, the L4024. But I'd like to point out, gentlemen, that the attitude of Clare County Council to Scariff is this. Um, in its formal advertisement or, or notice, it says um, that, they, that they want to do these works to the village of Scarif. That's um, a new one. That is a new one now. Uh, are you happy about being downgraded um, to village status? Well, if, if money pours in, we don't care. We don't care. We don't care what we call it. Well said, Jim. Yeah. Okay, listen, that's where we've reached the end today. Uh, many thanks uh, to everybody, to all our panel, uh, to John S., well, Pat, thanks, Jim. David, thanks, Jim. and Luke on sound as well. Thanks, Jim. And uh, we'll we'll go with uh, Pat's um, choice to play out on. The Wolf Tones had this um, uh, one. It was number one in 1981. The, the streets of New York. Okay. Well, we. It is, I suppose, more. We're talking about the streets of Scarif. We moved <laughs> to the streets of New York. Listen, <laughs> many thanks for joining us today. Look for, we'll see you again with the help of God uh, next Sunday at 2 o'clock. So uh, for now, goodbye and God bless. I was 18 years old when I went down to Dublin with a fistful of money and a cartload of dreams. Take your time, said me father, stop rushing like hell and remember all is not what it seems to be.